Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east. Hello, welcome to Ukraine Plus Football. I'm your host Adam from Ukrafot24 and I'm here with another excellent episode of the number one English language podcast about Ukrainian football. As always, I'm joined by my two excellent co-hosts. Ray, good evening, mate. How are you coping with that football at the moment? Hello, Adam. Hello, guys. Good to be here again. Um, I'm trying my best, you know, our recordings never put me aside of football and it seems like it never stops, especially if you look at our team's Instagram, Instagrams uh, of Ukrainian teams which post photos from beaches when they're enjoying the sunset and a little running around. Yeah, having the time of their lives. <laughs> they certainly are, mate. And of course, as always, Mr. Zarya Londonsk, Andrew, you finally finished your trifecta of Mikolenko games. How, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, just about. Uh, made it to Liverpool, of course, but he didn't end up playing. So, swings and roundabouts. On to the next football adventure, but obviously starting tonight with a good European roundup. Certainly is. I'm really looking forward to this one tonight. As we like to at this time of the year, we're going to put the spotlight on our Ukrainian boys who were playing across Europe this season. And we're really honoured to be joined by Magogo commentator superstar Vadim Skitschko. Vadim, it's great to have you here. How are you doing? Everything is fine. Thank you uh, for the invitation. It's a real pleasure to be here with you and uh, hope for a great time on the pod. I really hope so. I mean, what better way to get things up and running tonight than with our former national team manager, Andrei Shevchenko, who obviously departed from his post in Serie A earlier this month and at time of recording has been linked with the move taking over the Polish national team, although nothing has been confirmed at this time. Now, gentlemen, first of all, do you think he was given a fair chance at Genoa? Did, did he deserve to lose his job or should he have had longer in the position? Well, in my opinion, uh, it was a tricky situation, really, because uh, when they invited him, they said, uh, OK, we have uh, large expectations uh, for the future, for several years. It's a very serious project and so on and so forth. But in the end, it ended like that. Uh, as we see it and well he has no high level experience as a club coach let's be honest and uh, let's get away from the surname from his origin nationality anything just look on this situation from afar he's uh, just like mr x some mr x has no experience in some doings for example, in football coaching, how huge is the chance that he won't succeed in his first chance, yeah, in, in, in his first job? I think it's, it's uh, really high. So, yeah, he didn't achieve anything good in Genoa, but as uh, Diego Simeone says, partido a partido, game by game. So he should go like club by club or job by job. Yeah, it was 
unsuccessful, but in the end, uh, maybe it was a bit obvious. I think, yeah, well said there. When his time sort of came to the end, I was going to put my sort of EPL hat on, and it brought back memories of Bob Bradley when he was at Swansea City. You know, this American superstar national team coach for years on years, took his first job in the EPL, and he's forever remembered there as a failure. And he's gone back, back to North America now. I believe he's sporting director at LA Galaxy or one of the, it's, he's in Toronto now. And it's kind of that sort of just wrong place, wrong time. And I mean, Andrew, do you think it's going to leave a huge black mark over his reputation as a manager? Well, I think we've discussed this like when he first got the job and when he left in last week's episode. Mm-hmm. It was like a double-edged sword job for him. He can use the excuse that everything was against him in terms of the circumstances at the club, uh, the transfers and all that kind of thing, if it ever needs to in the future. And similarly, if he had succeeded, he'd have been like commended as a a super coach for surviving relegation, etc. But now that's in the past. And as we've already spoken about, he is in line to take apparently a national team job in the form of Poland, whether that's going to come to fruition due to the financial issues that may come of it due to the fact that he's still on Genoa's payroll. So he's essentially still the manager there, but he's been sort of relieved of his duties and someone else has been given the job. Whether that can be resolved and some sort of compensation paid out by Genoa, which I doubt they are probably happy to do, just straight up a zero-sum game for the month and a half that they gave him they probably would be much more happier to let that slowly trickle out the club especially in the current situation that their Serie A status is in limbo because they could get relegated this season and going forward I feel that if Shevchenko does take the Poland job gets it a lot will have to do with whether Maldera will join him again because evidently that seemed to be like a bit of a an issue for him at, at Genoa without his sort of head tactician in the background and on top of that it seems a bit like a a get rich quick scheme in the sense of repair reputation very quickly by getting Poland to the World Cup and playing at the World Cup something that he was never able to do with Ukraine but also evidently get paid quite well because the terms that he wants to take the job is like 2.5 million euros and the sort of the zeros on game of all of it would be that people would hopefully quickly forget about his uh, Genoa career and he will be lauded as a hero in the sense, especially back home, where he, he beats Russia, of course, and the obvious circumstances from that. <laughs> we'll see what happens, but it, uh, it hasn't put his uh, club career in good stead, that's for sure. Definitely not. You know, Ray, do you see him uh, perhaps national team is going to be his forte? Now, can you imagine him signing up with Dudek? in the same coaching stash. <laughs> Remember Istanbul? I mean, that's oh, going to yeah. be strong. That's going to be some turnaround and twist of the tail. <laughs> uh, apart from that, well, he has Shokovsky in Ukraine. And I, I have been always saying that Shokovsky is the real reason of our success of the previous years in national team. Hence, I think it's a lucky charm and it's going to work well for him. And now that I heard Andrew speaking about it, I realized that Paul actually had a good lineup. And it's always had. And this would be a swan song for Lewandowski and probably for some other guys. And 
it's going to be a good show if they uh, will appear in uh, the World Cup. So uh, all the best to him, uh, although it's not yet confirmed. Nice. Uh, one thing that I think we do need to also keep in mind is that in both jobs that Shevchenko has had so far at Ukraine and at Genoa, it's taken a while for him to get going. Well, at Genoa, it didn't even get going. But for Ukraine, he had those first two years where Ukraine weren't playing great football. He had to wait until some of his best players fitted all into the positions that they needed to be until he embedded the tactics of, you know, the build-up play, the passing and all that kind of thing. So the fact that he's only going to have like a couple of training sessions with the Poland team before that World Cup playoff semi-final, just judging off history... It could it could be problematic, especially if he comes with a big salary, which has been uh, rumored across the media's. But staying in Syria, uh, there was much amusement when Atalanta bought uh, Viktor Kovalenko last season, and even more amusement with his lack of game time. He was sent out earlier this year to Spezia, uh, you know, one of the lower Serie A teams, very small club, punching above its weight. I mean, Andrew, how has he found his feet there? Is he playing well? He's not been too bad. He's got three assists and one goal in 15 appearances for Spezia this season in Serie A. He doesn't start all of the games, that's for sure. I, I would say he is, a, he is a comfortable player in the starting eleven, but he's in and out for what reason maybe uh, Vadim can elaborate on. But it seems like he is getting the game time that people wanted him to get from leaving Atalanta, something they probably wouldn't have got there. And he's showing in parts that he is able to play against some of the top teams in Syria. Like just last week, he got the last minute assist for his side and they beat Milan at the San Siro. So (laughs) it's one of those. Yeah, I was going to ask you about him. Based on his performances this season, is there any hope for him at Atalanta when when his loan terminates well for me uh, his career right now in Spezia is a positive thing and uh, I can say only good things about him because when he appears on the pitch as Andrew said uh, it's not always him a starting 11 player but nevertheless when he appears on the pitch you can see from the very beginning from the first minute that it is a proper player it is a player with the experience of uh, Champions League football it's a player with experience of national football and yeah he obviously stands out among the other players in Spezia. So I think his affair with Spezia is a positive thing, both for him and for Ligurian club right now. And it can be his wild card for the future, as you asked about the Atalanta thing. Well, right now, I guess, probably he do not have any place in Gasparini team. But we cannot predict for the future what can happen in summer, maybe some transfers, some contracts issues, whatever. So yeah, let's wait. But by now, he's doing great at Spezia. And for him, this experience in Serie A is priceless. Now, I'm going to be honest here. I don't, I, I don't watch much Serie A. I'm, I'm more watching the Ukrainian game for my, for my sins. Uh, but I did have a quick look at what Malinovsky's been up to this year. Am I right in thinking he's kind of come off, come off a cliff after 
his performances at the back end of last season compared to what he's doing this year. Uh, very few assists I'm seeing from him. Is is that right? Is his performances, how do they compare post-Euros to pre-Euros, Vadim? Well, for me, I cannot say that uh, it's much improvement or the other thing. No, he... For me, he stays just on the same level right now. But uh, the main reason is that he has uh, more players around him now who can play on his position, on his role. Mm. Uh, for example, Ton Kop Miners, they uh, signed this player from uh, Dutch League, from AZ Elkmar, and he's doing great. Uh, he's all-around midfielder. He can play both high on the pitch and uh, lower. Uh, they had issues, some issues with uh, Josip Ilicic right now. But yeah, for me, he he's still a proper player. He's still a player that Atalanta very much rely on, and his his shooting ability it stays with him all the time. So when Atalanta and when Muriel or Zapata they cannot score, uh, Atalanta can always rely on uh, Ruslan Malinovsky left foot. And yeah, it's uh, common statistics that uh, from the time he arrived to Serie A, no other player scored more goals from outside the box than Ruslan Malinovsky. So that stays the all. Do we do we think that's why Petrikov's going to go and visit Atalanta this this spring to just try and learn how how to get the best out of Malinovsky for the national team? I doubt it. Um, I actually think. Well, I'm actually. I think it's quite refreshing to see a manager of a national team go and visit, for example, Gasparini to see get some coaching tips or something like that because evidently Petrikov isn't too invested in himself. His ego isn't big enough to say, oh, I can't learn off someone else. Gasparini does sort of play the similar style to what probably Petrikov aspires to play like in the sense of, you know, three at the back uh, regularly and uh, quite fast attacking football. So we'll see um, what comes of that, whether it will be utilised against Scotland in the end. That will be interesting. But on the whole, I think it's, it's certainly, he's not even there to to really look at what Malinovsky's got to offer because I think he very much knows that. It's more the fact of what he can learn from the rest of the team um, and what he can then implement um, against uh, Scotland in those playoffs. We just need to make sure that in the end, Malinovsky wouldn't start teaching our national players tactics of Atalanta just like Shevchenko did with blocking back in the day, you know? Absolutely. Hopping around the med a little bit over to Spain. I know... uh, I'm going to come back to you again, Andrew, because I know you were very excited when uh, Lunin got called up for the the Copa del Rey earlier this month. A bit better than last year, by all accounts. Oh, well, instantly he's got two appearances to his name compared to last season's one. So you can always count the positives in that sense. Both those performances were were quite good. Um, The first game was a bit more tense. Uh, they were playing against lower league opposition. There was it was like a smaller, more compact pitch. I feel he was still it was a sort of lack of exp- lack of game time. He was quite indecisive with his passing and ball with his feet and that kind of thing. Pulled off a couple of all right saves, but on the whole, you know they were like third tier. So mm-hmm. it, 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 he should be playing quite well. He still didn't keep a clean sheet, sadly, but. <laughs> Uh, and we still await for one because against Elcher he didn't get one either. 
Um, and Elche, against Elche, he was a lot, he seemed a bit more confident. Evidently, the more games you play, the better you will be. Pulled off some nice saves in there. But, but like we've already said, is that enough game time or experience for a player, well, for a goalkeeper, for a young goalkeeper who's aspiring to be his national team's number one, regardless of how good um, the team is that he's playing in at the moment? Is it not worth going somewhere else that um, is going to help maybe develop your career? I mean, it's a very good question. I'm adding, I get the feeling, I know what your answer is going to be, but is learning suited to the Spanish league? Is there any, I know you watch a lot of the different European leagues. Are there any leagues that you think maybe be better suited to? Any teams, styles that you think would be more suited to than Real Madrid? Because I can't ever see him, you know, getting Courtois out of the starting eleven. Well, in my opinion, yeah, he suits well. It's not the problem of style. It's more problem of, uh, yeah, the guy who is just next to him, who is training just with him, Thibaut Courtois, maybe one of the best goalkeepers right now in this season, obviously. And, well, when Lunin uh, gets his chance, he plays well, in my opinion, in Copa del Rey. And uh, luckily, Real Madrid goes through. So we will uh, see more Lunin soon. And uh, yeah, now everyone is talking, should he go or should he stay? Uh, what is the problem with him in Real Madrid? Yeah, it's just like just uh, Carlo Ancelotti said about Eden Nazar that uh, the problem is uh, in, uh, in the coach and uh, in the player that is uh, suited also in his position, Vinicius Jr. No one says that uh, Eden Azar is a bad player, but Vinicius is just better in this period of time. Mm. The same thing, unfortunately, is with uh, Andre Lunin and uh, Thibaut Courtois. To go or to stay, that is the question. And, um, well, I think there is no right answer for, for this question because, uh, yeah, it's just uh, some judgment based on your opinions. In my opinion, I won't be uh, in a hurry. I won't be in a haste. It's just one week to go uh, for the transfer window. And, yeah, you, you can stay and wait for your chance. But on the other hand, you can go try to succeed and who knows if you will. You never know. So maybe uh, he shouldn't go. That's my impression, my opinion, because it's just one week, le one week left. But who knows? Again, uh, as we talked about uh, Kovalenko in Spezia, who knows? Maybe uh, in summer uh, he should be moving or not. It depends on him. Yeah, it's a very different s story when we get to summertime. I mean, we all know, don't we, gents? But 22, you need to be playing. I think that's... One of the key, the key things, if you're not getting the experience at that age, uh, it's very hard to, to make the step up. So I'm going to put my hat on it. A good, a good loan, if not a permanent transfer in the summer, please, for him. I... But what about the older keepers of Real Madrid, like Cesar Sanchez? He was like number two for a decade, probably, or Abiati under Dida in Milan. There was like a whole era in these clubs and they were on top and they suited themselves fine. So that's a good option for learning anyway. And goalkeepers last longer than the field players anyway. But I feel that okay. that's the main problem because if does Lunin realistically believe that he will ever be able to become Real Madrid's number one? If he has that faith in himself after, for example, if Courtois some, goes somewhere or the likes then fair enough, stay. But I feel that 
maybe he can make a name for himself somewhere else where he will play. Evidently, that will impact his Ukraine career too. And then he can maybe, if, if he is ever turning out to be that good, he can return to Real Madrid and be the first choice keeper straight off. But, you know, as Vadim said, time will tell. I think with football these days as well, it's more likely that Real Madrid will go out and buy a 50 million euro goalkeeper than, than promote, in my humble opinion. Um, staying with Spain, though, you, I know, uh, Andrew, looking at your tweets, you've been rather excited about two of the boys in uh, the second division in particular. What's, what's caught your eye about? Well, Boateng Gijon, um, are, or Gijon, however you pronounce it, uh, have got two Ukrainian players, uh, Bogdan Milovanov, and uh, Vasil Kravets. They both play on either side, either side fullbacks opposite each other. And they've been playing relatively well this season. Um, Milovanov actually, <laughs> over the past few weeks, has turned to the subs bench. I'm not entirely sure why that is. But they have been featuring for a fair amount of games in La Liga 2. Compared to last season, though, uh, Sporting Guion, I think, were on a bit of a decent promotion push. This year, they're not relegation threatened, but they're like way down in the second half of the table. So whether they'll be getting anywhere near near there is a different story. I guess the most interesting thing, well, what I was thinking, because they have sort of made an impression um, this season, uh, Milovanov scored against Villarreal in the Copa del Rey. Kravets is playing rather consistently. He missed the last league game because of too many yellow cards, but it seems like they're getting some sort of momentum. Um, I was just wondering from Vadim, is there a chance of either of them making it in a different league in the near future? Or do you think that maybe La Liga 2 is their level similar to, for example, Roman Zuzulio will be staying around that sort of mark? Well, I must be honest, I haven't watched uh, a lot of matches of them yet. Uh, not like you, Andrew. You're a great fan of uh, Spanish Segunda. But when uh, Zazuda played for Albacete, I must confess, I watched every game, really. So, yeah, I, I, I'm quite aware about the situation in Segunda. Uh, for me, it's just a question of, uh, of statistics. How many players from La Liga 2 went to La Liga by the transfer? It's a miserable percentage. It's really miserable. But it is better to stay in the, this club when they are right now in Sporting Gijón and fight with them for promotion to get to La Liga, not by transfer to some club, but to stay with Sporting and to fight with them for promotion. As far as I know, Sporting is a stable club and quite a wealthy club, and they have a plans to get back to La Liga someday. So it sounds like a plan to stay there and fight for the glory, not to wait that some wealthy club will buy you. And because of their position, yeah, it's very popular in Spain. A lot of uh, high-class players playing wherever. But, you know, Barcelona has problems with left-back right now. So they must there watch uh, Sporting Gijón <laughs> closely. Well, definitely, definitely. I mean, Kravets, as we know, he, he spent 12 months in Poland and hardly sort of basked himself in glory with that transfer last season. So, well, yeah, I agree. Stay with Sporting. It's one of the historic giants of the Spanish game. And also, um, Oris Lebedenko, who was on loan at Olympic last season, he's 
playing fairly consistently for Lugo. So good stuff going on in that league. Um, a, a, a random destination for Ukrainian players, but you know we'll welcome it. All, all credit to Olympic for preparing this guy. There you go. <laughs> this year, though, I mean, Belgian football feels like the spotlight's been turned off it a little bit with uh, Yarmachuk's transfer to Benfica. There's still a few of them floating around, aren't there? I mean, how are they getting on? Oh well, that it's a bit of it's a bit depressing to be honest. That's so what I thought. We we can touch on maybe Fred and Mihailochenko. Mihailochenko, I think, has played under ten matches for Anderlecht. Regularly features on the bench, but doesn't get many minutes after his move from Zoria a couple of years ago. Well, from Dinamo, but after leaving Zoria on loan, he's just not been able to fully push on after quite a decent star at the club at the start of last season. Then he got pushed out and <clears throat> he's just never been able to really regain that spot in the team and evidently has lost his place in Zbirna and the like. Roman Bezos, I feel, is probably the best suited player in Belgium league at the moment. There's been rumours that potentially he might be leaving at some point, but so far he seems to be getting regular starts there. Sort of refound himself after maybe a first season that was a bit slow at Ghent. But now that he I think he's very much accustomed to the team, the last Ukrainian left in that squad after Plastun and Yaremchuk obviously have departed in seasons gone by. So he's one of those players that I feel that a lot of people um, rate highly and shim every success going. But now he's, I think, turning 30, 31. Where, if he is to leave Ghent, I'm not entirely sure where that would end up being. But at the moment, I feel that quite a stable club as well and would be good to remain there. So the last two players that we've got, we've got Shred, who has been bit part for McKellen um, this season. He had a bit of a decent run, then got injured, had a concussion and has still not been able to retain his starting spot. But he's featuring off the bench in most matches. So fair play to him in that respect. And then the last one is Sobol. He has lost his place in the Club Bruges team as well. Well, since the start of the year anyway, from what I've been seeing, not featuring in the starting lineups and it's a bit worrying seeing as he actually is quite an integral part of Petrikov's team of late. He's been, you know, either makeshift left back, um, can play further up and that kind of thing. And if he's going to be um, getting less game practice for his club, that's evidently going to have quite a poor impact if he needs to even be an impact sub or a starter for um, the national team. Yeah, just a short addition to Andrew's words about Sobol. Yeah, it's a really worrying situation about him in Bruges. And uh, I saw the statistics that uh, for the months with uh, Petrakov, like for, for autumn, for three months, he played uh, just uh, as much as for one and a half a year under Shevchenko. So yeah, he's a really, really important part for national team of Ukraine. And if he don't play in his uh, club, so yeah, it's it's a big problem for the national team as well because he played not only on the position of left back but also like a left midfielder. So he's. Uh, very wide yeah, player in terms of uh, position on the field. So, yeah, mm, let's wish him to regain his positions in Club Bruges. Really do, really do. I, I know you said that was the last guy we're going to talk about. I have to ask, Filipov, has he, has he even put on his shirt this year? 
I think he's been on the bench a couple of times and got like two minutes or something. But I think the Belgian uh, podcast guys mentioned on Twitter a few weeks ago or something that there's a real uh, Japanese vector at the club. They've got like Japanese linked owners and they just bring in a load of Japanese players like Shinji Kagawa's come over and the likes. So who and <laughs> Filipov's not going to be getting any game time. Where he's going to go next, who knows? But I'm sure he's probably going to be getting paid nicer than he is in the UPL. So I don't blame him for for not uh, returning or planning on returning anytime soon. That's a lesson to be learned there about making the wrong transfer. Hungary, I didn't think this week I'd be watching a lot of Hungary, Hungarian football, but with uh, Ryan Manet, uh, starring for Ferenc Varos this year, uh, Alexander Zubkov has been playing a little bit less. He's He's been a bit quieter for Ferenc Varos. I know they've struggled a bit coming out of the Reborov era but he doesn't seem to be performing quite to the same standard as he was under the former management system. There's been a new manager coming in this year and uh, coming in over Christmas. It wasn't Skripnik, sadly, but uh, we'll see what's around the corner there. Really interesting transfer in this window is Lednev going to Hungary. Ray, are you hopeful for him there? Some of the Hungarian guys that I've been talking to consider the Hungarian league a step down from the Ukrainian league. So do you, do you call it a good, good move? Lednev is definitely the, uh, David Dakin coefficient is still president of football. I mean, David Janola coefficient, call it what you want, but Dynamo lost a little bit, you know, and Hungarian football regained. Well, not, not the worst team in the world. Petriak's having a good season. And Makarenko. Both of them integral parts of their club and now boosted by Lednev. So I feel that all three of them, you know, that's already a boost for the incoming player to have two Ukrainians with him. It, it's, it's also a positive that if he gets the game time, because he's not going to be getting it at Dynamo. We've seen that under Chescu, that he's not ready to give him any time. But good luck to him, in all honesty, because I feel that it, it's been a tough sort of few years since he's returned from Zolia, where he was playing very well. And, you know, just to be stuck on the bench and not having any time or any opportunity to develop straight off. Like, I think he's 24, 25 now. So he's got to he's got to push on if, if he wants to. I, th- I think this is just a year loan. Those classic Ukrainian ones that end in December next year. We will see. And hopefully maybe Ferdovar can get enough to get into Europe next season. And maybe he can get some experience there. And even might add a bit of spotlight to Petriak as well. Uh, and see if he can maybe boost his chances of a national team call-up at some point in the future, especially with, as we've already been talking about, Sobol needing to play left mid, Zubkov being off form, that left wing position, okay, other than Sankov, who might be put in there, is a problem area for Ukraine. We've got one young player that we'd like to see play there. Now, Vadim, we're going to move on. Andrei Yeremolenko, there was a lot of discussion in December in particular that he was going to join uh, uh, Andrei Shevchenko at Genoa. Now, that isn't going to happen. He can't go and join the Polish national team, that's a given. Uh, you know, as betting men, where realistically would you put your money on it being his next club following his 
less than successful time at West Ham. Yeah, one of the best uh, football players of uh, his generation, maybe of uh, the whole Ukrainian football itself, and has uh, such a dramatic uh, and problematic spell in uh, his current club. Uh, sad thing, of course, but mm, the good thing is that his contract is uh, going to end in summer, so he's uh, free to go wherever he wants. And a lot of rumors uh, going around about Turkey, but when England is a top one league in Europe, then Turkey is like 18th or 19th, and it looks like um, a huge step back. And based on facts, no, no offense to Turkish football or Turkish Super League, the only proper Super League in Europe that stays, that exists till, our, till nowadays. Uh, but yeah, uh, clubs in England, in the championship, I think it's a must-see for him. Why not to stay in England? Because as far as I know, uh, his family is uh, very happy in England. Uh, so let's stay in England and I can make my guess I uh, looked through the clubs in the championship. Uh, sorry, Adam, it's not Sheffield United. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I've chosen West Bromwich uh, because, Ooh. yeah, because uh, Yermolenko can compete with Snodgrass again <laughs> because Scott is <laughs> right now in VBA and yeah, he's, he's not the best player at the moment. And yeah, he has uh, the contract. Uh, and uh, as well in summer, and I'm not sure he will stay in West Bromwich Albion, but it's a problematic position for WBA in the championship, this uh, flank winger, right winger. Yeah, I saw that Matt Phillips is also not scoring and assisting properly. So, yeah, Yermolenko is uh, his knowledge in um, English football. Maybe uh, to stay in England, of course, after English Premier League, after West Ham, uh, team from European Cups in these days, it can be hard to approve that, yeah, you should choose another club. But uh, if I'd be him, I'll stay in England. It's, it's, it is a good shout. I mean, Andrew, would you, you'd be rather happy with that. <laughs> of I think course. Extra happy, extra happy if he stays in London, no <laughs> <laughs> No, but I guess the only issue would be as much as I agree with what Vadimba said there, 100%, that if he, he's very happy in England and I'm sure he'd love to stay here. <clears throat> Is he sort of um, similar to probably other Ukrainians that would never leave Ukraine or maybe take that level down? Has he got sort of the um, humility to take that step by dropping down to the championship? If he does, then fair play to him. He can sort of follow the the role of um, Serhido Brov and even um, Oleg Luzhny with, you know, Wolves and um, I think West Ham win the championship when he, when the Rebrov went to play there. So, you know, there have been examples in the past of it going all right. So why not? And on top of that, I mean, Hull have got a new owner. They don't look like they're going to get promoted this season, but there's every chance that he could potentially do something over there because they'll be able to pay his wages maybe not to the extent of uh, of West Ham levels but similarly they will definitely be able to <laughs> at least give him something uh, decent he can link up with old Dalakiar who's uh, rumoured to be very close to signing a deal there now, I, I mean I know we don't get many listeners from Hull 
but I can't see Mrs. Yaramolenko being up for a move to that beautiful port city on the East Coast. I think uh, Yaramolenko will be commuting. I'm going to say Fulham. I'm going to say Fulham. No idea if they need a right winger this year, but I'm just going to put it out there. Right. Yeah, he, can, he can become their new Damien Duff and take them right to the Conference League final. Oh, yeah, in what, two or three years' time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you supporting me there, Fulham? Yeah, why not? I, I, I really wish you, you guys sound so romantic about this guy loving the championship, uh, coming to Hull, and especially Craven Cottage, which one is one of my favorite stadiums in England, apart from Bowling Ground, which is not, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, as a football guard, I mean, uh, for matches. But uh, in terms of Ermolenko, uh, he should break the spell of Ukrainian players coming back to the homeland. I mean, Konoplanka's example, he had all the chances to stay wherever, and he came back, you know, where? I mean, straight into the Ukrainian uh, films, as as far as we're concerned. But, um, yeah, I would love Ermolenko to stay in there. and uh, I, But I won't be surprised if he won't. So, that's his choice. Now, Zinchenko. There's been a little bit of discussion about him recently, but he's, he's on the verge of signing a new contract, if I uh, understand the state of play. Am I right there? That's the alleged rumours coming out of uh, Vuzbirna, um, closely linked to Mikola Vasilkov, um, who's obviously got ties to Zinchenkov through the ex-work that he did in the Ukraine national team. So we will see when that ends up happening. At the moment, Zinchenko, I think, since the start of the year, he had COVID and then he's just been recovering from some sort of injury that nothing's been spoken about for that. No info on that and sort of why he's not been available for the past few weeks. So I guess we need to wait for, for that return. And coming up next month, the, the big one when uh, Everton face Man City. So hopefully they'll, he'll be back for that one and McCollinco will also be too. Adam, what's been your first impressions of Mikolenko's performances at Everton? Well, on my point of view, he has a carte blanche right now. He's the only man on his position. Yeah, it's the best situation for every player. When you uh, come to a new city, to a new champion, uh, to, to, to a new league, uh, to a new club, to be the one that they want to see on this uh, position. Not to fight for it, but just to take it. And uh, no real contenders on his place, as I, as I said. And uh, he will have at least six months to prove that he's worth it, worth playing in English Premier League. And a lot of other players, I guess, they are jealous about it because uh, when he uh, came to Everton, he had Luca Dean, a player from French national team. It's a really, really serious contender. But now Dean is playing for Aston Villa, and Edgent Rafa did everything. Uh, that she that he should do to Everton as a <laughs> yeah as, as a manager from uh, former manager of Liverpool obviously but yeah if, if we speak seriously for Mikalenka it's just the best way it can ever be just take the chance it's been okay those first two get first two games of course I know Andrew you've you've been at the stadium for both of them and you were there again on Saturday, do you feel like they look weaker on the left without him there? Um, evidently, Ben Godfrey isn't a out-and-out left-back. And to be honest, against Aston Villa, they look um, that left side looked rather closed off and isolated for whatever reason. Or Damari Gray wasn't able to get himself into the game as he has done in the previous two matches. 
So, yeah, we'll, we'll be interesting to see how that develops, especially with Everton expected to announce a new manager this week. Um, the favourite being a Portuguese manager who's coming over from last having managed Fenerbahce. He's not proven in the Premier League. He's not really got much um, experience of battling relegation. The experience that he has of battling relegation, he ended up getting 1816 Munich uh, relegated. relegated. So it could be that we are seeing two Ukrainian players in the Championship next season. Could very well be. And then with Alakiar there as well, it would just be like a big old reunion. All right, gents, before we finish, I want your opinions on some players uh, before we go. Presently in the UPL, First question is, are they ready to leave Ukrainian football? And secondly, which league do you think they're most suited for? Okay. Uh, we'll start with one who has been linked with clubs this, this window. Mudrik. Mikhail Mudrik. Badin. Is he ready to leave Ukraine? And what style of football, what league do you think is best suited to his talents? Well, as I think, uh, he's not yet ready. Of course, he will someday play in the Great League. But for now, I guess maybe the, be- the best way for him is to stay in Shakhtar and to become a player, uh, a proper player with an experience in uh, European Cups and so on. And then he will be much needed in a lot of leagues. For me, his style uh, is just the Spanish football itself, the heart and soul. A very technically gifted player, so he won't be, as Andrew said at the start of the pods, a random destination. He can be uh, for Spain, for Spanish football. They really enjoy such a players, so maybe one day uh, he will, uh, yeah, arrive in there. But if I'd be him, I'd stay in Shakhtar for a while. Right, Shaparenko. I would say that he needs to leave as it uh, becomes uh, toxic for him at, at that time. Mikolenko leaving and, uh, uh, well, they were pals, obviously. And that's the stage of the career of the, young, of the Dynamo youngster when you have to decide. And even though it's hard for you because you're number 10 and Surkis has all the hopes for you and all the bets as well, but... Uh, if not now, then it's going to be just uh, Yarmolenko in his last year scoring to Zirka and not celebrating. Which league do you think he should go to? We're not going to hold you to it, don't worry. <laughs> uh, somehow French. I don't know why. French league. French league. Nice one. And Andrew, this is a guy who was mentioned with moves and it's gone a bit quieter that. Matt Vienko. Definitely not this window. Too late for that kind of stuff and I, I don't see it happening. Um, it, w- it would be interesting to see him move. I feel that he is at that age, like 25, 26, that he, he can go for another challenge. Just earlier this week, I think Tarasta Panenko was saying that he did have offers from the Premier League at one point and he was close to a move. He didn't mention the club, but as far as we're everyone's aware in the public, it's like um, it was meant to be Crystal Palace. That didn't end up happening. And he says that, yeah, he would have loved to have taken the opportunity. But at the moment, the way that his career's gone, he's very happy with Shakhtar now. And that's where it's at. And, you know, at at his age, age 32, I don't see him going abroad at at that sort of high level as well. Despite the sort of great player he is, probably the injuries and all that kind of thing um, is a step too far. But Matt Vienkor, 
perfect sort of um, time for him to make a make a departure. Um, he's been linked with Syria an awful lot of times. I don't know whether he's physical enough for that, and maybe the Premier League might be a bit harsh for him as well. But somewhere like France, you know, one of those uh, few top sides like Lille. Uh, Lance or Marseille or something like that, that would be quite interesting to see. Or even maybe the Bundesliga, um, some sort of club going on there. I think Vadim wants to add something too. Yeah, I just wanted to add uh, for the guys' uh, impressions about the players. For example, Shaparenko, he's a very physical player, in my opinion, and such players are very high valued in Bundesliga. And I made uh, a bit of research which team will obviously need a player on such a position, uh, a position of both uh, six and ten role that Shaparenko can obtain. And uh, unfortunately, it not, it's not Bayern München or Borussia Dortmund, but you always can land in some great football atmosphere and very, uh, very rich clubs like Eintracht Frankfurt, for, for example, because I saw that uh, their players in the middle of the park, uh, they are just uh, in the 30s. For example, their captain, Rode, is 31, Hasebe is uh, 38, and 32 was Anker. So maybe it can be an option for Eintracht Frankfurt. Why not? It's a great destination. Bundesliga is a top league uh, with the need of a player of uh, such a quality as Shaparenko is. And uh, about Matvi. As Andrew said uh, about Serie A, I've heard rumors about Napoli, but of course uh, Lazio, I think it's the number one team in need of a left back. You can check uh, their profile on transfer market and the situation was left back there. And Matvienko is a proper left back and on the top of that he can play in the middle of the defense where also the situation in Lazio is not the best because uh, they don't know what to do with Acerbi, who has a conflict with the fans. Uh, yeah, they have a last year on the contract with uh, Luis Felipe, and uh, Patrick is also running out of the contract. So why not? Rome is a great city, and Lazio is a big club, and Serie A. Work under the Sari, it's excitement that you... It's just several several coaches, uh, such influence, uh, has such influence on the football, like Sari. I don't know, Bielsa, Guardiola, Oleg Blochin and others among them. One final one then for tonight. The much maligned Mr. Sagankov. Do you think it's too late for him or has he still got a move in him? You know, uh, it's always sad. It's never too late. But of course, with uh, Dinamo, you never know. Like, they, they don't... Uh, normally, they don't... Uh, give the permission for the players to leave early and for Tsikankov is just right the time and uh, I've uh, read some reports about uh, Hatskevich who told that Simone Inzaghi was interested in Tsikankov when he was a player for Dinamo against uh, Lazio uh, so yeah, yeah as I mentioned Lazio is a great team and uh, Tsikankov can play uh, on the position of uh, Philippe Anderson or Pedro who is 34 so yeah why not why the reunion of two Ukrainian players in Lazio and then again was uh, the main team for Ukrainians in Europe. And now it's Fehervar. Maybe someday it can be Lazio. Why not? Oh, there we go. There we go. You've, you've sold us. You've absolutely sold us there. <laughs> All right. Well, 
and that's it for tonight guys it's been, it's been great fun we whizzed all over europe in the last hour uh vadim it's been a real pleasure thank you so much for joining us and giving up the second half of cameroon Kamars. uh did it finish 2-1 2-1 unfortunately no added time no penalties and we cannot enjoy the playing between the sticks of this guy from uh, the middle of the defense from my side uh, i just uh, want to thank you for this invitation it was a real pleasure and i glad that i was uh, with you here today sorry for my english language is not the best uh, at the moment but maybe with the practice it can improve soon thank you very much and uh, see you soon uh, thanks thanks a lot um we've really really enjoyed it for people who want to follow you a bit more, if they don't know where to do it, where what social media handles have you got? Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter, Vadim uh, Skitschko, also in Instagram with the same name. And yeah, I'm ready for for new people. Right. Been great fun tonight. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. For uh, new listeners, what are your handles? Yeah. Definitely, Adam, same here. And hey, five years ago, there wouldn't, wouldn't be anything to discuss about our players abroad. And here we go, almost an hour, and we cannot <laughs> even stop. Well, everything ends sometimes. And uh, my handles are Oblong Casual on Instagram. Uh, thank you, thank you. You're quite right there. And Andrew, great as always. What have you got coming up in the, in the next week? Any more road trips? No, it's an international break um, across the top leagues, so I think we'll be dying down. Personally, for the time being, um, I'm just going to be finishing up a vlog that's going to be coming out from my escapades following McCollincourt. <laughs> All things come to an end, as Ray said, and I feel uh, religiously following the new Everton left-back um, also needs to give a bit of time for pause. Um, so you can find that video, hopefully, um, in the next coming days after this podcast will be released uh, on Ukraine Plus Football on YouTube. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram on Zorio Londonsk. That's it for today, everyone. I hope you've all enjoyed it at home as much as we have here. But till next time, I'm Adam at Ukrafot24. Take care, stay safe, and goodbye for now. Head, please, his head, please, his head